You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Giondoletti Jr. If this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And guys, before I get started, I just want to uh, do a quick little announcement. Um, I haven't done a podcast in a long time. Uh, and there's um, a reason for that. Uh, my grandfather actually, uh, I, I found out a couple of weeks ago that he... Um, he had a stroke, um, uh, and his uh, brain started like uh, filling with um, blood from the stroke, and that he probably wasn't going to make it. Um, and once that happened, I obviously put everything to the side. I flew out to um, uh, New Jersey, where uh, I grew up, where he lives, uh, and unfortunately, he passed away. Um, and just for the last couple of weeks, I've just been trying to spend more time with family. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously for the funeral going out there for that. And so, you know, I haven't made a podcast in a while. I know it's been a crazy time. The draft's coming up. There's a lot of stuff I wanted to do, uh, but I've just had a lot of time to just self-reflect and think and spend time with family. And, um, you know, it was a really hard time the last couple of weeks, if I'm being completely honest, it was rough. Um, but to those out there that are listening, uh, that reached out, Thank you so much. Uh, it, it meant a lot to have the Dolphins community, you know, supporting me during that hard time. Um, but we made it through, and you know, I'm better now. Uh, it's still hard, you know, at times here and there. But you carry on, you move forward, you get stronger. Um, and I know that he's listening to me right now, uh, making this Dolphins podcast. He doesn't know the Dolphins at all, but I know he's listening right now, thinking, "What the hell is he talking about?" So. With that, that's where I've been. I'm back. Um, I might have a, a, an announcement maybe on the next episode. Um, contemplating right now, but I might have a big announcement on the next episode. Not sure. But on this episode, I have to catch up on like everything that I haven't given you guys for the last, what, three, four weeks, however long it's been. So t- on today's episode, we are going to be doing pretty much everything relating to the draft aside from like a Miami Dolphins mock draft. Now, we only have four picks this year, so let's be honest. A mock draft's not going to be that elaborate. I might not even do a video, or maybe I'll just talk about my mock draft at the end of this podcast episode. I'm not sure, but we only have four picks, so like, you know, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on a podcast for those four picks. I posted it on my Twitter, you can go check it out. I might talk about it at the very end of this podcast, I'm not sure. However, even though the Dolphins only have four picks and we don't pick until the third round, I still love the draft. You know, I like the draft. I like covering it. I like uh, scouting players. I like watching film. And, you know, I've been watching a lot of film on the airplane rides that I've been doing to Phoenix, then to New Jersey. So I've had a lot of time. I just finished like all my draft rankings about a week ago. Uh, And so it was actually perfect timing because now I can do a podcast episode where I go over everyone uh, in the draft. I'm going to go over like my top players at each position. Um, And again, because I don't want to make it like this five hour podcast, I'm not going to break down every single position group in depth. If you if you want to know why I ranked a certain person higher or, you know, whatever, you can always reach out to me. DM me on Twitter at FinSportsFootball. And I will 100% love to have a conversation with you about why uh, I ranked a player where I did, what I saw in that player in my film analysis. But today's more so going to be just a general overview, going to give you guys my top guys at each position, starting on offense. Um, And, you know, I'll I'll kind of talk about players as we go along. I'm not going to, as I said, I'm not going to go really in depth, but I'll talk about certain players or certain position groups that may be controversial as we go along. Now, before I get started, I don't know what the audio quality is like. I'm recording outside right now. Um, It's something that I've wanted to do for a while. 
Uh, I'm recording at night right now. It's beautiful. It's like 70 degrees in Oklahoma. Um, low humidity, no wind. And so I'm recording outside. You may hear birds chirping, whatever. It's just, you know, me trying to be outside, not cooked up inside the house recording, but trying to get some fresh air, trying to be outdoors. So, you know, if the mic quality is not as good or you hear some birds chirping or like dogs barking, ignore it. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, be outside, be uh, outdoors more with the podcast. So without further ado, guys, let's get into the rankings. So let me pull these up right now because I literally just finished them. Like the last time I edited this list was April 21st. So I finished my my rankings. Again, I had to put the, the I planned on watching a lot of film. I had already watched film on certain position groups, but like three weeks ago, I had to put everything on pause, obviously, but I just finished all my film watching. Uh, and so without further ado, guys, let's get into it. Uh, so to start off, I, I mean, I want to start off on offense, but I'm not sure if I should start off with the quarterback because quarterback, I mean, let's be honest, none of these guys on this list probably will be available to us where we pick. I don't think really many of these guys, maybe two or three of these guys in the whole entire rankings will be available to us where we pick um, because obviously these are the top guys at each position and we don't pick till third round. But um, yeah, so let's start on offense. I'll start with quarterback. Why not? Let me just start with quarterback. So the way I'm going to do it is I'll give you guys my five through one and then I'll kind of explain what I need to um, in those in those groups if I even need to explain anything. Uh, so quarterback. Starting off from five to one, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Matt Crowell. Why do I have them in that order? Well, Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter, to me, they're not even first round quarterbacks. Um, I don't, Kenny Pickett kind of is, uh, but really the top three guys I would say are first rounders. None of the quarterbacks in this class are just like completely blow me away franchise guys, at least right off the bat they're not. They need a lot of work. But Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter, to me, I mean, Sam Howell has good mechanics. I mean, he's technically like a disciplined quarterback. However, it's just like he's one of those guys where I watch the film and there's just nothing like that wows me. You know, like his size is underwhelming. His arm strength is okay. Um, He's got good accuracy, good touch. But I just, when I look at his game and Desmond Ritter's and I translate it to the NFL, to me, they're like high-end backups. You know, I think they're probably like mid-second round, late-second round guys. I just don't see them as like, you know, a starter, a high-caliber starter in the NFL at all. Then my top three guys, you have Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Matt Corral. Kenny Pickett, why do I have him at number three? Um, Well, he, to me, is the... I'm not going to compare him to this guy. I'm saying this is the type of quarterback he is in the draft. He's like that Mac Jones type of quarterback. Most drafts have that type of quarterback, the guy that isn't going to wow you, but there isn't a lot of stuff that's going to wow you in a bad way either. Like Kenny Pickett to me has the highest floor, lowest ceiling. Okay, he's a guy that it's kind of like what you see is what you get. He's the most NFL ready in the draft. I don't think that's a question. However, there's a limit to what Kenny Pickett's going to give you. You know, he's not the most a- a- the most athletically gifted guy in the world. And so, especially in today's NFL where, you know, athletically gifted quarterbacks is what scouts are wanting, GMs are wanting, I don't really see his market being that high early on. But he's a guy that I think will probably have the most success early in his career. I think that he he's a guy that could come in and probably start in the first three or four games and be able to win you games. I just question... How much better is he going to be in the next three years than what he is right now? That's my question with him. Then Malik Wilson, Matt Corral. Malik Wilson, to me, is the slab of marble in the draft. He's the Josh Allen of this year's draft. I'm not comparing him to Josh Allen, but what I'm saying is he's the extremely raw, but all the talent in the world is there. He's got the arm. He's got the athleticism. He's got everything you would need. The issue is he's extremely raw. And so... If he doesn't go to the right team that can properly develop him, you're just going to have this slab of marble that you don't know what the hell to do with. If you get him on a team that can develop him and surround him with the white weapons and system and coaching, he can develop into a high-end caliber top 10 quarterback in the NFL. The only issue is that's a big if, depending on what team he goes to. 
I've heard, and I have him mocked in my first round mock that I did. Go check it out on my Twitter. I have him mocked to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's a perfect place for him to go, sit a year, learn from Mitch Trubisky, who I think is going to be a solid starter there in Pittsburgh for the next year or two. Go there, develop him if you're Mike Tomlin. He's going to have a good coaching staff in place. The Steelers are a phenomenal organization. Put, a, put weapons around him. Get him an offensive line, the running game. Get the right system. And I think you have something there with Malik Willis. And then for Matt Corral, he's kind of like that mixture of the two for me. Matt Corral, to me, has a very good arm. He can make every throw that you would need him to. Um, he has the best legs in the draft as far as just like his ability to do something with his legs, whether it's run, uh, escape the pocket, move within the pocket. I think that Matt Corral... Um, you know, I'm not really sure where I, I don't know any scouts, so I don't know how scouts actually rank him because how scouts rank and how we rank as fans are different. But what I can tell you is when I watched the film of Matt Corral, I was kind of like pleasantly surprised to where I was like, oh, wow, like he looks very athletic. He looks like someone that could succeed in the NFL. I loved his arm. I think he had an insane. He had a great arm up there with Malik Willis. And I think when I look at Malik Willis and Matt Corral, I say, well, Matt Corral, to me, I like the decision-making way more. I think he's more polished. And I think just as far as his, he's, he's more nimble. Malik Willis is just kind of like this big, like, he's not Cam Newton because he's only like 6'1". But he's that type of just like heavier, thick quarterback that can escape with his legs, hard to bring down, rocket of an arm, where Matt Corral, I can, he's slippery. When I watched his film, I was like, oh, this guy's slippery. He has quick fees. He can make things happen with his legs and also his arm. I mean, probably one of the best arms in the draft, if not the best arm. So Matt Corral, to me, is the clear number one. The only thing is I could see Malik Willis, if developed properly, him have a higher ceiling than Matt Corral. But I think ultimately Matt Corral is the most, just as far as when you talk about potential, but also being polished, he's the best combination of the two in the draft. Next up, wide receiver. Starting at number five, Drake London, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams. Um, let's see, let's start with Drake London because uh, a lot of people are high on Drake London, which I am. I think all these five wide receivers are worthy of a top 20 pick in the draft. So like, really it's, I mean, if you're a top, top 20 pick in the draft, it's not like you're not good. It's more so, um, you know, just me not thinking maybe you're necessarily like a slam dunk pick in the draft. So Drake London, to me, what do I like about him? He's a physical freak. Watching his film, I was like, damn, like this guy kind of gives me that Devontae Parker feel where it's like he's good at the same thing. He's a big bodied wide receiver. And when you throw the ball his way, chances are it's going to be caught by him just because his frame, his ability to high point the ball. It's excellent. Excellent. The thing about Drake London, though, that I worry about is how is he going to fare against the Xavier Howards, the J.C. Jacksons, the uh, Jalen Ramseys of the world? Will he be able to create separation against them? I don't know. I don't think he will. I think he's more of that DVP type of receiver. He's more, excuse me, he's more talented than Devontae Parker, but I worry that he's that same type of receiver where it's just like he's not going to, he's going to have trouble separating and really he's just going to be used for that mainly high point 50-50 ball, right? He doesn't have top end speed at all. So that's why I question whether he's going to be able to go against the top dogs of the world. You know, the, again, the Xavier Howards, the JC Jacksons, the Jalen Ramseys. I worry about that with him, but nonetheless, physical free. Chris Olave, best uh, route runner in the draft, great speed. The only thing with him, kind of like how I felt with Devontae Smith last year, the reason I had Devontae Smith behind Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle in that order is because it's like the main thing he's good at is route running. There's nothing there where I'm like, wow, even with Drake London, I will say Chris Olave has better speed and route running, but even with Drake London, there's more physical tools there where I'm like, whoa, this guy is a crazy freak of an athlete. Where I look at Chris Olave and I say, he's faster, he's going to get open more, he's a better route runner, but there's not a lot there where I'm like, you can be a superstar in the NFL. So for that reason, he's four, just above Drake London. But the thing that separates the top three guys, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, Traylon Burks, and Jamison Williams, the thing that separates those three for me, well, Christian Watson, 
the only knock on him, and I really feel bad doing this, but I have to, is he's from a smaller school. And because you're from a smaller school, the only question I have for Christian Watson is, how is he going to fare in the NFL against the best of the best? Now, that's not his fault he went to North Dakota State. I mean, well, kind of. I mean, based off where you're, you know, recruited, based off your talent. But when I watched his film, if you just take away the helmet or where he goes to school and you just focused on on the field, the dude's ability to separate, the speed that he has, the straight line speed, the hands, it, it's just like, it's insanely good. It's top 15 football, top 15 pick in the draft for sure. Now, will he get drafted top 15? Probably not. However, I think a lot of that has to do with the school he comes from. If you get, if you put Christian Watson highlights and you put them or, or film and you put the film of him over like you put like an Alabama uniform on him, he's probably going to be taken in the top 15. But we have bias with our eyes when we look at a guy and we see he's from a smaller school, we say, uh, maybe not. We like the bigger name school dudes. But Christian Watson, talent-wise, is a, is a top three wide receiver in the draft. Then my t top two guys, Traylon Burks, my man crush of the draft as a wide receiver. The dude is just, he has a knack for creating separation and, and, and making guys miss. His comp when I watched him was Jarvis Landry, which is ironic because the Dolphins had Jarvis Landry. But he's a guy where he's faster than Jarvis Landry. I think he has better hand or um, not better hands. Oh, my God. He, he's faster than Jarvis Landry, and he's able to create more separation than Jarvis Landry because Jarvis, they both have good hands. Jarvis Landry has freakish hands. But the thing I like about Traylon Burks more is I think that when I look at Traylon Burks versus Jarvis Landry, I think you're going to be able to use Traylon Burks in more uh, like different roles. Not Debo Samuel because he gets compared to Debo Samuel, but you can use him like that where you can give him carries. You know, all of his touches don't have to be as a wide receiver. You can manufacture touches as a running back, a wide receiver back, whatever you want to call it. And to me, again, when I watched Traylon Burke's film, again, I watched um, the, the main game film-wise is go watch his Alabama film. The dude was just embarrassing the Alabama wide receivers. I mean, he was catching balls over them. He was creating separation against them. He was running guys over. He was making guys miss. I mean... I think Traylon Burks, again, if he's used in the right system with the right offensive-minded coach, he, I mean, he's going to have, he's going to be a dangerous guy in the NFL because, again, you don't have to just use him as a wide receiver. You can manufacture touches for him kind of as a running back. So Traylon Burks, number two. Number one, I don't think it's that controversial. Jameson Williams, he's the clear number one. It's not even close, I don't think. He's the clear number one. Will he be drafted number one? or, you know, first wide receiver, probably not because of the injury. But to me, speed, separation, route running, hands, I think that he, if he came out last year, would have been my wide receiver three. He would have he, he been over Devontae Smith. Like, he's that good. He wouldn't have been better than Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. But Jameson Williams is a phenomenal wide receiver, and I think if it weren't for the injury, we wouldn't be having a discussion of anyone else above him. Jameson Williams, clear number one. If I were a team like the Jets, I don't know where they're picking. I know they have two picks. But that second pick that I they have, I think it's 10, I would do Jameson Williams, without a doubt. Because the injury, first of all, it's an ACL, so it's not that as serious as it used to be with, with modern medicine. But, like, you need wide receiver help, and that dude is a legit, could be easily a star in the NFL, 100%. So Jameson Williams... Wide receiver number one. Um, try and think anything controversial there. I don't think so. At least in my opinion, it's not. Um, a guy like Jahan Dotson, I think he's, I, I don't even think he's a first round wide receiver. I'd have him in the mid second. Um, but I, that may be the only thing controversial is that I don't have Jahan Dotson in my top five, but I don't think that's a big deal at all. Running backs Pierre Strong Jr., five. James Cook, four. Brees Hall, three. Kenneth Walker, two. Isaiah Spiller, one. Um, Pierre Strong Jr. is my man crush for the Dolphins. I don't know if he'll be available in the third or fourth round. I'd love to take him there, though. He fits perfectly for the Mike McDaniel, Shanahan uh, zone scheme. Like, if you're a team like the Jets, um, the Niners, the Rams, the Dolphins, uh, I'm trying to think of other teams um, that run that scheme. 
the uh, not the trying to think of other teams there's teams out there but if you're one of those teams that runs that Shanahan scheme the Packers too if you're one of those teams that runs that type of scheme then Pierre Strong Jr. is a great guy great value guy in the third and fourth round James Cook at number four not a true running back definitely not as polished of a running back as probably like guys like Brian Robinson or Pierre Strong Jr. however he's a weapon and when I watch the film I'm like, man, if you get this guy with the right offensive coordinator, he's another guy like a Alvin Kamara, where it's like you don't have to use him as just a running back. You can throw you can use him as a wide receiver because he's going to be able to line up against like safeties and win most of the time, let alone if you try to put a linebacker on him. Good luck. So James. And then on top of that, how many times are we going to fall for like the oh, well, he's not his brother, like the Bosa brothers the Diggs brothers, the, um, uh, who else? Uh, I just had their name on top of my head. Um, oh my God, who are brothers at the NFL? The Diggs brothers, there's the Cooks now, the Bosa brothers, oh, the Watt brothers. I mean, it's just like in their DNA. I don't know what it is, that competitive drive, that that will to, to know how to succeed, it's in their DNA. And James Cook is a guy to me that if a team's in the third round and wants someone that, yeah, he's not going to be your every down running back, but he's a weapon nonetheless, James Cook's the way to go. Then my top three are interchangeable, really. I, I put them, my gut feeling is this order, but they're interchangeable in my opinion. Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller. And those three kind of remind me last year of Harris, Williams, and Etienne, where I'm like, they're interchangeable to me. Brees Hall's your Javante Williams, where it's like, the dude is quick, but also a freight train. Good luck trying to tackle him. Isaiah Spiller's your stereotypical running back. that He has the size, the speed, the athleticism that you want, kind of like a Najee Harris. And then Kenneth Walker is your Travis Etienne, where it's like, he's a true game changer as far as just acceleration when he hits the hole. The acceleration that he has, I mean, it can truly change an offense. And I think all three guys are worthy. Well, I could I could understand if any of those three got picked in the first round. I think that if Brees Hall got picked in the first round, I'd be like, yep. Kenneth Walker, I'd be like, yep. Isaiah Spiller, I'd be like, yeah. So all three of those guys are interchangeable to me. It's just my gut feeling puts them in that order. So again, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller are 3-2-1 in that order. Next up, tight end. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because the tight end class is pretty underwhelming to me. Isaiah Likely, Jalen Weidermeyer, Greg Dulkich, um, Jeremy Rucker, and Trey McBride. In that order, 5-1. to one. Next, uh, offensive tackle. Uh, Trevor Penning, Charles Cross, Ikemekwanu, Evan Neal. In that order. Um, Evan Neal and Ikemekwanu are slam dunk picks. They are guys that I, if they are, if they are, if either of them are there past six, something's wrong because both guys to me, I think are worthy of like, I think Evan Neal's worthy of the number one pick. I think Ike McQuanu worthy of the number two or three pick. So like if either of them's there past six, something's wrong. Um, they are just absolutely sensational offensive linemen. Charles Cross is a guy to me would expect him. I'm trying to see where I had him. I did a mock draft and guys, it's been a long day. I did the mock draft literally on the plane. I like bought Wi-Fi on the plane, which Wi-Fi on the plane is not, it's not cheap. Uh, it's not super expensive, but it's not cheap. But I literally did the mock draft on the plane and then I fell asleep on the plane. It's just, I'm exhausted. It's been a long last <laughs> two weeks. So let me see where I had him on my mock draft, um, where I had, uh, Charles Cross. I had him going number seven. I could easily see him again. Top three guys are top 10 material. Uh, then Trevor Penning, probably a top 20 guy. Then interior offensive lineman, Tyler Linderbaum to me is, is in my opinion, he's better than Charles Cross as far as offensive lineman. If I'm ranking him, Tyler Linderbaum, I know people are going to worry about the size, but he to me is the best interior offensive lineman that we've seen come out since Quentin Nelson. Like, I don't know what that means as far as projection in the NFL because Creed Humphrey was a second round pick and he was like the best center in football last year. But like for me, Tyler Linderbaum, I mean, I've heard like that he might fall like past the 20s. That's crazy to me. I mean, if the Dolphins were still at 29 and he was there, that'd be a slam dunk pick. Um, 
but we're not there. So he fits the scheme perfectly, but we're not going to, we're not there. So, you know, whatever. But Tyler Linderbaum's the best interior offensive lineman, followed by Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson in that order. Um, but the, I mean, man, the offensive line class this year is crazy. Like, especially the interior offensive line class is like, it's pretty good. Like, you're going to find guys in the third and fourth round that if you groom them the right way are starters. Um, so that caps the offensive side of the ball off. I don't really think there's anything controversial there. Um, I've been pretty MIA on Twitter. Um, I've had a couple people reach out and be like, dude, where are you? Because you don't post anymore. Um, obviously, they didn't know about my grandfather. Uh, but so like, I don't know if any of that's controversial. I'm not sure what other people are saying, what other scouts or people on Twitter or content creators are ranking. But those are my rankings when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Deep breath. Okay, defensive side of the ball. I feel like there's a couple more. There's controversial stuff on the defensive side of the ball, especially with my defense, my edge rushers. Okay, this is like I feel very strongly about this, um, especially once I watched the film. And edge rushers has been a recent thing that I watched. I watched film on edge rushers. I'm trying to think. His funeral was like not even two weeks ago. So it was right before that. So it was recent. I watched film on edge rushers. And the thing with the edge rushers that everyone's talking about is, oh my God, the Jaguars might take Trayvon Walker at one. He's horrible. Okay, let's get this out of the way. Is, is he the best edge rusher in the class? No, but he's damn near close. He's my number two. My order from five to one, Nick Benito, Kayvon Titebo, Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson. In that order. And to me, I'm really confused. I said this about Kayvon Titebo a while ago. When I watched his film, I was like, I don't, this guy isn't like a top five player in the NFL, in, in the draft. Like to me, Kayvon Titebo, his range is like kind of like where Jalen Phillips was picked last year. 18 to 25. That's a good range for him. But like... With Trayvon Walker, I've heard people say, like, he's, like, not top 10 worthy. And I'm like, I may be watching different film than everyone, but, like, he's not better than Aiden Hutchinson. Let's make that clear. Aiden Hutchinson should be, if I'm going to pick one, he, he'd be the guy I go with. And he should be taken over Trayvon Walker. But, like, this notion that if the Jaguars pick Aiden Hutchin or pick Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson, that it's some like horrible franchise defining awful pick. It's like, I don't know, I may be watching different film and with all due respect to people who feel that strongly about it, it's like, I, I, it's not my fault if when you're watching the film, you're not picking up what I'm picking up. You know, you can have your opinion and I can, but when I watch the film of Trayvon Walker, it's like, and especially with his combine, the combine should be a tool to make sure that whatever you saw in film matches up, okay? The combine should not be the sole reason why you think a guy is good or not. And Trayvon Walker, I know he had a good combine, so when I watched his film, I was like, okay, I heard he had a good combine, but let's see the film. The dude is just a freak of an athlete. And when I watch his film, the, the big thing that I know a lot of people have criticized him on is stats, production, right? But when I watch his film, it's kind of like the same feeling I get with how people feel about Emmanuel Ogba to where like people who think Emmanuel Ogba sucks because he doesn't have as many sacks or big numbers as like uh, anyone else, big name in the NFL, you're just not watching the film. Trayvon Walker, the impact that he has on games based off what he's asked to do, where again, he's not just going to be the hand in the dirt, rush the quarterback like a TJ Watt is right now. But when you watch Trayvon Walker, it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm missing a bigger picture. But when I watch him, I say there's nothing this guy can't do. He could play linebacker if he wanted to. He can obviously pay edge. And he's powerful enough based off of his size and speed to where if you put him on the inside, he's going to knock people on their ass in the NFL. So, like, I'm confused how when people watch the film of Trayvon Walker, I'm confused. Are we, are we just caring about stats? Because I think 
when it comes to the draft, you shouldn't look at stats because stats can be either inflated or deflated based off the team and, and the players around you, right? Like, I, I don't know why with Trayvon Walker all of a sudden we're ignoring how much physical talent he has and we're just focusing on the fact that, like, man, he didn't get as many big numbers as these other people. Well, he also played on the best defense in college football. And chances are, if you play on a great defense with a lot of great players, you might not have as big of numbers as, say, a, I, I don't know, an, an Aiden Hutchinson or a Kayvon Titebo, who's going to be the only good defensive player on the team the only main good one. So you're going to get a lot more attention because what you're doing is stealing a lot of attention from everyone else. Like, like Trayvon Walker to me, again, when I watch the film and I just watch what he was asked to do and I watch his speed, his athleticism, his power and his size, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal if the Jaguars pick him number one. Now, would I? No. I wouldn't because Aiden Hutchinson is better. But like, I, I don't know where this notion has come from that like, if a team thinks that he's like top 10 worthy, that that's controversial. I mean, to be honest with you, all five edge rushers should be taken top 20 that I have. All five of them should, but like Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson are top 10, 12 at worst, all three of them. And if the Jaguars pick Trayvon Walker with the number one overall pick, it's not what I would do, but it's not like this egregious pick. I understand it because Trayvon Walker, talent-wise, is just a freak of an athlete. So, yeah, he may not be as polished or he may have more work to do in certain areas than an Aiden Hutchinson, but I don't know. When I turned on the film, I was like, holy, holy shit, who is this guy? Because this guy is just absolutely demolishing everyone. He may not be getting the recognition because it doesn't lead to a lot of pressures or sacks, but I don't know. I could be completely wrong. That's just, again, when I'm watching the film on him, never once did it cross my mind, oh, this guy's not top 10 pick. At worst, you could say, okay, he's maybe he's not worthy of the number one, but he's at least worthy of the number six or seven pick. And so it's like, is it really that big of a deal? Let's be honest, too, with the Jaguars. Is it that big of a deal if they pick Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker? Not really. Let's be completely honest. Okay, it's the Jaguars. So, like, let's calm down acting like Trayvon Walker going top five or number one overall is the worst thing in the world. It's really not. Like, it, it's really not. It, it's not that big of a deal. It'll be okay. He is worthy of a top five pick. He is worthy, in my opinion. If they pick number one, I'll understand it. It's not what I would do, but I would understand it. Okay. Next up, defensive tackle. Um, I think this is pretty standard. I, I don't think there's any surprises here. Travis Jones, Perry and Winfrey, DeMarvin Leal, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is a freak athlete. Definitely the number one D tackle in the draft. Trying to see again where I had him in my mock draft. I want to say... I definitely had him top 15. I don't know why I closed out at the draft network. Let me pull back up. I definitely had him top 15. I, th I don't think that's a question. To, I mean, I'm trying to see. Let's see. Jordan. Jordan Davis. Um, let's see. Jordan Davis. I had him going. Where's Jordan Davis? 14 to the Ravens. And I know, I know um, uh, Neil Driscoll has talked on fin too deep uh, with reason that the Ravens really like Jordan Davis. I think that's a perfect spot for Jordan Davis. 14, man, you're getting a stud. You're getting an absolute stud. Uh, but interior defensive line, not really too hype about it. I, also, this podcast is getting longer, so I don't want to spend too much time. Linebacker-wise, pretty standard. Devin Lloyd, N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, Christian Harris, Damone Clark. Um, in that order. Devin Lloyd, to me... Um, again, let me see where I had him going in my mock draft. Uh, Devin Lloyd. Um, ba -ba -ba. Where's Devin Lloyd? Oh, Devin Lloyd, I had him going 26 to the Tennessee Titans. He could go way sooner than that. I think Devin Lloyd's worthy of a top 20 pick in the draft. I, I think just how everything fell. Uh, the team that needed him the most was the Titans, and he was there for them. But Devin Lloyd, to me, um, I just think overall when you look at size, speed, 
um, power, when you look at ability to be good in coverage, ability to be good in run game, ability to be good blitzing. He's just, to me, the best overall linebacker in the draft. Now, I was huge on Kobe Dean for a long time, but again, things change because I actually am, like when I'm watching the film on these guys, it, things change. You know, me saying Kobe Dean is just me saying it from hype, from highlights, you know, Just Bombs production, you know, watching stuff like that. But when I actually sat down and watched like three games of film on him with Nicobe Dean, I was like, okay, I, I think he has more areas where like, especially in the passing game where like, I worry in today's NFL where it's pass heavy, how much he'll get picked on in the passing game versus someone with the athleticism of a Devin Lloyd, okay? Next up, secondary, cornerback and safety, the last two. Cornerback, um, there's a lot of hype around Derek Stingley Jr. I'm not sure why. I'm not, I'm not quite sure why there's hype. And I know I, I can imagine that there is a lot of hype around him in NFL circles too. But like when I watch his film... He stands out to me, aside from my number one guy, which is Sauce Gardner, which I already said, I think. Like, Derek Stingley Jr. is probably the most physically gifted cornerback in the draft. But again, like, when I watch the film, whereas, you know, I, I said with Trayvon Walker, he's a freak of an athlete. But when I watched his film, I understood why the production or the film wasn't as sexy as, like, a Kayvon Tidabo or Nathan Hutchinson. But when I watched Derek Stingley Jr., it was like, not only are you mainly just a physical freak, but your film has gotten progressively worse year after year since 2019. And so, yeah, if you can recapture some of that magic from 2019, sure. But typically, regression over the three years or four years in college is never a good thing. Okay? And... I don't know what it is with Derek Singley Jr., but when I watched his film, he was a guy that, again, year after year was just getting worse and worse to the point where by the end of his time in LSU, he was getting, like, picked on. There were games where he was just getting, like, picked on. And if you're getting picked on in college, oh, my God, what's going to happen to you in the NFL? It's already hard enough to transition in the NFL as it is, let alone if you're already getting picked on in college. So him, to me, again... The main reason I'm putting him at four is because I think that he has all the physical tools to be an elite cornerback. I just worry whether or not he mentally is wanting to because it looks like on film year after year, he just like kind of was given up towards the end. And then with Sauce Gardner, the reason I have him at number one is because he to me is not only a freak of an athlete like Derek Stingley Jr. because He's six foot, but he's quick as hell. And his power at the line of scrimmage, his ability to jam people at the line of scrimmage is great. But on top of that, the film backs it up to where I look at his film and how he played in college, predominantly in zone, excuse me, predominantly in zone because of his length. And I looked at someone like him and I said, okay, I can understand based off of, again, how tough he is, how physical he is at the line of scrimmage, um, his speed, his acceleration, more importantly, because that's another thing. Real quick, with cornerbacks, stop focusing on how fast they are and focus on their acceleration within like 10 yards because like a cornerback needs to know or needs to be able to accelerate quickly because you don't know the route, right? If you line up against me and I'm a wide receiver and, you know, my friend does backyard football, right? And he's like, hey, run a post. You have no idea that I'm running a post. I do. So when I break, you know, to cross for that post, you have no idea where I'm going. So cornerbacks have to have incredible recovery and acceleration. And that's where I look at, again, like Derek Stingley, he's able to. But when I watched the film of it, Sauce Gardner was the guy that for someone who's six foot, his acceleration is incredible, which six foot's long for a cornerback. But He's just such a long guy. He's so powerful at the line of scrimmage, and his acceleration is great. And I think that he just has a natural uh, a knack, a God-given talent to play the position. And Sauce Gardner, to me, if I'm talking about projection, he has top 10 pick in the draft easily written all over him. 
Wouldn't be shocked if he was like a top eight, in my opinion. Sauce Gardner is the number one cornerback in the draft. And then at safety, um, Dalton Hill, Lewis, is it sign or kine or chine? I don't know. Lewis, sign. I'm going to say sign. And then Kyle Hamilton. I don't really think there's any um, any discrepancy there. Uh, Kyle Hamilton has been talked about as one of the best safeties to come out in God knows how long. To me, he's one of the top five players in this draft. If he makes it out of the top 10, I will be shocked um, because he, to me, is a guy like a Jamal Adams, like a uh, Cam Chancellor, I think was the name. Yeah, Cam Chancellor. Like, he's that type of safety, and we're seeing it now with Javon Holland where it's like, if you have a stud back there, we see it with like the Troy Palomalos, the Ed Reeds, like safety is one of my favorite positions in the draft. Last year, I nailed Javon Holland. I said Javon Holland's the number one safety in this draft, and it's not even close, and we saw it. I said that, um, oh God, who, who was the guy? Trev, uh, Trayvon Merrig. I was like, he's overrated. He's definitely not the number one safety in the draft. It's Javon Holland, and I was right. When it comes to... Um, uh, Kyle Hamilton, I don't think it's nearly as controversial, but like Kyle Hamilton's just like a, a game changer. You put him at safety and it's like you have a stud back there, a guy with just so much power, so smart instinctively, which is most important at the safety position. His speed is insane. And it's just like, I mean, it's everything you want in a safety to where I look at it and I'm like, if you're a defensive minded head coach or if you're a, a defense that maybe need some help in the secondary and you're not wanting to take a chance on any of the cornerbacks or if the cornerbacks have an early run. Like, if Kyle Hamilton's there past pick like six or seven, I'll be shocked. Because to me, he is top five pick worthy. I don't think he'll go top five, but he's top five pick worthy. Um, but like, yeah, I don't really think there's anything controversial in saying that, but like Kyle Hamilton is just an absolute... I mean, I'm trying to think of the last safety draft-wise. I'm not talking about how good they ended up being the NFL. I'm trying to think of the last safety to come out that I felt this strongly about. I like not. I didn't feel this strongly about Javon Holland. I didn't feel this strongly about Minka. Um, I'm trying to think. You'll have to go far back to where it's like I don't remember the last safety to come out to where I was like, damn, like they are a game changer playing safety. So, yeah, Kyle Hamilton, I feel pretty strongly about him. I'm not sure where he'll go. In my mock draft, let's see, where did I have? My mock draft is also based off of not necessarily my rankings of players, but what I think will happen. If you, like, go look at my mock draft and you're like, well, he has his number four quarterback taken first. That's because of what I think will happen, not because of what I would do. Um, Kyle Hamilton, I have going 13. Why did I have him falling past like the the um, Washington Commanders? Even the Seattle Seahawks could take him because they had Cam Chancellor. Yeah, he's that that's stupid by me. Kyle Hamilton's not falling till thirteen, but Kyle Hamilton to me, as far as ranking, it's like Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Ike McQuanu, and him are like the top five players in this draft. Um. So yeah, that so that those are my rankings. I, I'm sorry if I kind of sped through or didn't talk in depth about stuff. Again, if you ever have questions about it and you're like, dude, you're crazy, you're smoking dope. Why do you have this guy ranked? What games did you watch a film? I will 100% break down everything in person or not in person, but like I'll talk to you one on one. But I can't spend you know five hours saying I watched this game and this game and this game and this is what I saw in this game and this is what I saw in this game. I have those in my notes. But the, the draft is coming up and my grandfather died, so I didn't have time to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, so those are my rankings. Now, let me uh, talk about uh, as far as if you bet on the draft. I know people bet on the draft. I didn't even know you could because I like to bet on games. I didn't even know you could bet on the draft. Um, first player taking, taken, if I could bet you who I think the first player taken would be. I put Trayvon Walker in my Jackson in, in uh, my mock draft to the Jaguars because, like, if you have the number one overall pick, you don't have to lie about it. Like, you could make it well known behind closed doors that you want Trayvon Walker, and people really close to the organization, like Maurice Jones-Drew, 
have said the Jaguars want Trayvon Walker. So if I was a betting man, I would say the number one overall pick is eight, 75% chance Trayvon Walker, but like it's definitely going to be him or Aiden Hutchinson. They're going to go edge for sure. First quarterback taken in the draft. That's probably the biggest one people are going to bet on. Um, again, based off my rankings, I would say Matt Corral. But I don't know. Again, I don't know how people feel about Matt Corral or my quarterbacks that I ranked. But I think the first quarterback taken, I don't think there should be a quarterback taken top 10. Um, when I look at the, the, the um, let's see, the court, teams that need quarterbacks in the top 10, the Lions, um, the Giants will next year, probably. Panthers will next year, probably. Um, Falcons. And that's about it. That need quarterback, maybe the Seahawks. None of those teams, to me, if you've got a quarterback this year, nothing's going to be solved. You need to build a better team. That way, next year, when the quarterbacks are crazy good, you can all get one. Because let's be honest, the Lions, the Panthers, the Giants, the Falcons, the Seahawks without Russell Wilson, they're probably going to be in the same spot next year. So just wait till next year and draft a quarterback. I don't think any of those teams in the top 10 will draft a quarterback. Um, and then after that, top 10, Commanders, Vikings, Texans, Ravens, Eagles, Saints, Chargers, Eagles, Saints again, Steelers. None of those teams need a quarterback aside from who? None of those teams need a quarterback aside from the Steelers. So if it were me guessing, I would think the first team to draft a quarterback would be the Steelers at 20, and I think it'll be Malik Willis. If it were me, I'd pick Matt Corral. But I think it'll be Malik Wills because I've heard, and it's not really a secret, that they love him. They love him. Now, that could be complete smoke and mirrors. It might be. If it were me, I would take Matt Corral there. But I, I don't see a reason why any team, top 20, aside from the Steelers, should feel that any of the quarterbacks are good enough to be taken. I don't think any quarterback is top 20 worthy in the draft. Maybe Matt Corral, Malik Willis, you could argue for like a 10 through 20 spot based off of projection and skill set. But to me, if I were a team that needed a quarterback, I'd wait till next year. Because most of the teams that need quarterbacks suck this year. They don't have a good draft spot. And let's be honest, they probably won't be good next year either, like the Lions. Okay, so just wait get one of the great quarterbacks. There's like five really good ones next year, like five top 10 picks next year. You'll be fine then. Uh, Steelers, great organization that can develop. Get someone like Malik Willis, draft him up, great potential, or Matt Corral. So that would be my guess if you're a betting man or woman. Uh, I would say first quarterback taken will probably be Malik Willis or Matt Corral, but I would probably say Malik Willis at 20 to the Steelers. And then aside from that, let's see. Over, under on receivers taken in the first round. Let's see. Receivers, I think, will go in the first round. Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, uh, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, um, Jahan Dotson, probably because people love like speed. I would say... The over-under would probably be five and a half for receivers taken in the first round, and I would say over. I think six receivers will be taken in the first round. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. First offensive lineman taken, uh, I don't know. I would think it would be Evan Neal. I think Evan Neal's better than Ike McWanu, but I've heard that the – I think let's, – let's just say it this way. Whoever – doesn't go to the Texans because I believe the Texans are going to go offensive line. Whoever doesn't go to the Texans will go to the Giants. Um, that that's what I think will happen. I think my my mock draft, by the way, if you go go look at it, but I have Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Ikemikwanu, Ahmad Gardner, and Evan Neal as my top five taken. Um, but Evan Neal could easily go to the um. Actually, no, I don't think Evan Neal will go to the Texans. I think Ike McQuanny put him at guard next to Laramie Tunsil. I don't know what's going on with Laramie Tunsil. So put him there. God forbid you need him when Laramie Tunsil, if he leaves. Um, so, yeah, Ike McQuanny would go number three to the Texans. And then Evan Neal would be a phenomenal pick for the New York Giants 
But also, if Ike Bikwana is there for the New York Giants, that'd be a great pick. Um, but that's it as far as mock drafts for, like, uh, you know, betting. And then as far as the Dolphins mock drafts, I put, I put this on my Twitter as well. The Dolphins pick in the third round, fourth round, and two in the seventh. I packaged a fourth and a seventh to move up in the third, and I took my third round pick is Channing Tindall, linebacker. Um, will he be there? I don't know. But if he is, that'd be a sensational pick. I traded up into the third round. I got Pierre Strong Jr., running back from South Dakota State. Fits perfectly in this scheme. And then in the seventh round, I don't know if this person's going to be available. Probably not, but he was in my mock draft. And I, it's a mock draft. It's not the actual thing. So in my mock draft, Alec Lindstrom was there in the seventh round. I took him. I addressed linebacker. We got a running back in case of injury with... Raheem Mostert, and then we got an interior offensive lineman to develop that went to Boston College where uh, Matt Applebaum came from. So he knows him. He knows his strengths and weaknesses. Those would be the three guys. I think if I had it my way, I would love the Dolphins to trade up in the draft because, let's be honest, in the third round, you're lucky if you get a starter. So I would love them to like package a seventh and a fourth and move up you know, into the third and have two third-round picks. Just have two picks in the draft, two third-round picks, get two starters or three picks, you know, just a fourth and a seventh to move up and get someone like a, a running back like Pierre Strong Jr. So that's it today, guys. Again, it was a long podcast. There was a lot that I talked about. Again, if you ever want to chat about rankings that I have and you want to call me crazy, feel free to reach out to me and DM me. Uh, but those are my rankings. That's my, like, first-round projections when it comes to betting. Those are my players that I think the Dolphins will take in my mock draft. So we shall see. It's going to be a boring draft compared to years past. We literally have four picks in the draft. We do nothing on day one, possibly. Maybe we'll trade up. I don't know. But just enjoy the draft. Enjoy the draft. View it as like a fun event, like the Grammys or something that you're watching. And if you're ever sad that the Dolphins don't have a first or a second, Ask, ask me and I'll send you over some Tyreek Hill highlights, okay? Sound good? Okay, guys, have a great rest of your day. Stay safe. Fins up. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.